welcome to the Hex Night Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Ivan. And tonight we're going to talk about money. I guess in a way we did that last time, too. Um, but we're going to talk about um, the cost of gaming, uh, particularly the cost of role-playing games. Uh, what it costs to get started and just kind of like have a have an open-ended like talk about that, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. it's, a ver- it's a very subjective topic and it's one of those things like everyone who like plays RPGs, I think, is a bit of a collector, right? At a certain point, yeah. If you, you know, certainly it's like a, like certainly it's like a very common like uh, art stereotype, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I am absolutely part of that. You see my old shelves, and they're about as big. After I got rid of a whole bunch of books, they are as big as they were before. Now, <laughs> now it's just different stuff on there. Uh, so I guess for a starting question. Um, how much, if you're getting started on a new game, um, you know, something you don't have any stuff for, how much no. money do you expect to be throwing down? Just kind of like as a, okay, we're playing this thing and I want to grab some things. Like how much How much do you expect is coming out of your wallet? Just kind of like, not sight unseen, but like close to? Right, right. Ah, oh, man. But there are couple of factors that go into that like i'm, I'm gonna lean more towards the the pen and paper fantasy or sci-fi games that you know mm-hmm. just a so i'm a cheapskate dude like i, I think i'm gonna <laughs> sure. lowball this um yeah. and i usually like pick around for like okay what is the bare minimum that i need mm-hmm. what i can get away with so usually like a player's guide or if there's an express or like trimmed down version of the game, I'll pick mm-hmm. that up. Like a quick start, or um, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which totally. I think more games sh- or uh, yeah, more games should kind of do. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like with uh, video game demos where they actually reduce sales, uh, yeah. so it doesn't make sense for companies to do them. Uh, but they're very like you know user friendly. Uh, like Rollmaster had the little like express book, which was like a a good introduction. I know White Wolf mm-hmm. used to do them where. They would do like a really like slimmed down version of the system, so it wasn't technically the same game, but it would have like enough to get you playing and kind of like feeling it out. And they would have like little like four page adventure or something, yeah. so you could get that and you could kind of like, oh, okay, this is what like playing vampire might be like. And then you could go like, you know, buy a book. Well, there's like I feel like there's a balance there to like set people up with a teaser mm-hmm. to get them interested, and then thinking like you say they're like all right, now I want to experience the full game. Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, so really to get around to, like, an actual number, I would say, like, 50 bucks. is mm-hmm. If I have not, if I don't know anything about the game, I'm going to be pretty hard-pressed to, like, I know I'm being super cheap with that. Mm-hmm. But like, because a lot of these books are hard hard copy, they're full color. Yeah. and Yeah, when you're, like, if the starting point is, like, just the rule book and it's like a full hundred page like full color hardcover you know like unless you're you get one like used um mm-hmm. you're probably gonna be hard pressed with getting it for like a lot less than that like right you know especially i mean if it's something some things you can get off like amazon get a bit cheaper but yeah like pdfs yeah, if it is available in PDF, um, although sometimes that depends on the game too. Like, I mm-hmm. don't think I would uh, in, have enjoyed figuring out like Rollmaster from a PDF. 
<laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Uh, but there's some games, like there's a lot of games I just buy in PDF because A, it's usually a lot cheaper, you know, like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. If it's something I think looks interesting and I would enjoy reading it and maybe like get some inspiration for it and I might play it later. Uh, throwing mm-hmm. $20 for a PDF doesn't bother me. Uh, but if it, once we're starting to look at you know, like a $50, $60 buy-in, um, then it definitely has to be something that I'm pretty sure that I'll enjoy later. Um, yeah. Now, I guess the follow-up question then is uh, to what extent, if you're like getting in with a group and they're start, they're playing this game, to mm-hmm. what extent like should you expect people to like uh, to buy their own book? It just depends on the game. And I was thinking with like the 50 bucks, like so mm-hmm. you get like one book PDF and then mm-hmm. maybe a lot of games, these or a couple games might have like specialized dice. So mm-hmm. you really want people to get the special dice. I would say mm-hmm. for like a new player, uh, they should have their own set of dice. Yeah, I would say that's a, yeah, even if you're gaming on a budget, and obviously sometimes people are, uh, I think bringing your own dice is absolutely like a, a fair expectation. Yeah. And it, yep. it's also like a, like a rite of passage, right? Like you go pick out your first dice. You know? Sure. <laughs> um, I talked to somebody online a while ago who always bought new dice for every campaign, so they would never wow. like reuse. So, I mean, I guess over time it adds up, but it, you know, like it's $10 or something mm-hmm. for a set of dice. But it was just like a little ritual, like, okay, we're starting a new game, we're starting a new thing, new character, I'm going to get some new dice for that. It's like, oh, yeah. that's kind of cool. Um, I tend to just stick with the same set of dice throughout. I mean, I have a big, like, jar that just has random dice in it that's been accumulating. <laughs> right. Um, but I think, like, it also depends a little bit, because if it's a game, like, um, where there's a lot of, like, referencing, like, powers or spells or stuff like that, mm-hmm. like, if you've ever played, like, a big D&D game and there's one copy of the player's handbook, and, like, all five spellcasters are passing around that one copy, like, one, that really sucks, and two, it's going to be torn up pretty bad. I'm not lending you mine. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so for a game like that, I think it's a more... Um, you know, like, uh, back when we played Rollmaster together, um, I remember we had, like, three copies of Armslaw, because it would just, like, you'd have to reference that constantly, and it would just be awful trying to do it from one book. Right, right. So, I think I had gotten a separate, and our friend Brandon had picked up his own. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in a game that has a lot of rules referenced like that, it's absolutely fair to expect, uh, you know, at least a couple of people, um, well, pitching like, in and getting like their own books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it's, like, a, a reference that... But I think that comes in, like, after you've played your first couple sessions and are like, all right, mm-hmm. we're going to run an actual campaign. So I think first game, try out. Yeah, it's kind of clumsy, but you decide. Mm-hmm. Do you, like, once you get past that and are, like, all in to carry this out for, like, a year and maybe start another campaign, then, then yeah. Like, it's fair to expect people to be like, okay... This is the book I need. Um, this, you know, I've got to like print off this set of sheets. But it's yeah. like, I think it's fair to like give them a chance to figure out, sort out what they think of the game first. And yeah. Then, like, and I'll also be honest like, if somebody comes up and is like, hey, we should play this thing and uh, you need to get the book and it's like $49 on Amazon. My first reaction is probably going to be, like, can we just play RuneQuest instead? 
so <laughs> you know like that's a that's a bit of a buy-in for a game that i don't know if uh i like it all and i don't know if you know i'll like the campaign well right i mean that there are so many games out there and that that's mm-hmm. like you asked me that question that's my first thought like mm-hmm. will i actually like this will i carry it out longer yeah term? Or, like, just like it enough to own the book, you know? Like, there's <laughs> games I've played that, like, you know, like, I played Rifts a few times and basically enjoyed it, but I don't think I've ever, like, had an urge to own the book. <laughs> you know? And so it just kind of depends. Um, but I think there is kind of, like, a range, right? Because, uh, like, mm-hmm. like, you can play, like, very cheaply. Like, for some games, like, if you're playing D&D, uh, you know, like there's the SRD online and you can go look at like a lot of the stuff. I don't know if it's everything in the player's handbook, like a lot of the material a lot is of available. Yeah. yeah. And going back to like 3.5 and some games have it like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and those resources aren't necessarily like great to learn from, but if you're learning to play from like a group that's already playing and you just need like references for all the abilities, um, that's a, you know, a pretty decent place to get started. For sure. Um, I guess you could run into the question then of like, um, this is one of those weird things. So people have different attitudes of like what you should be doing to like support the industry or support specific like companies or creators. Um, like if you're, you know, if you have five people who are playing and they purchase one player's handbook between them and they're just using the SRD, is that like, uh, I guess it becomes like a moral question or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, like it can become its own whole own episode, but I would that like, <laughs> Part of that is on the developer to make to make mm-hmm. a sustainable game that's I don't know, like you gotta have a business plan. It's not on the players to be like buying stuff just to I mean you should support. Yeah, I mean you should want to buy it, like because it's cool, yeah. right? <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah. You know, like stuff should be coming out that makes me want to like, I am, if I like your game as a company, and I think the company is cool, like, I'm already predisposed to giving you money, uh, but, I, you know, right. like, it, it should be for something that I'm, like, interested in. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Not, like, support the scene because you're loyal to them. That, that gets Yeah, that gets kind of weird. weird. <laughs> yeah, it becomes kind of, plus, like, you know, like, uh, if you're a nerd, you probably are also buying other nerd stuff. Like, those dudes want the money, too, you know? Right. Right. Like 20 dollars for a book will buy me a lot of Dungeon Synth albums on Bandcamp. <laughs> Probably buy like twenty of them. That's <laughs> just cheap. Um, but yeah, so it is like a a thing. It's also like a lot of times I feel like the GM is the one who ends up like getting saddled with getting the books, and I don't know if I'm this. So it's gonna be weird because usually I am the GM, and usually I am the one buying the books because I want them. But I don't think it, like, ought to be this way. Like, that should be the expectation. Like, like why would that be, you know? Well, that comes down to me going back to, like, the the, the companies that put out the game. Like, I mm-hmm. think there, there has to be some strategy there as to, like, how they're breaking up the materials. So you have, so you have it, like, I would say structured in a way that's actually beneficial to the people playing the game so that mm-hmm. the players have the things that they need. Like, I really like Dur- uh, Mutant Chronicles, but, you know, mm. having just that big block of a book and be like, bam, everything's oh. here. Like, yeah, it would be nice to have, like, a player's edition that just has, like, character creation and, like, 
you know, like a basic overview of like how skills work or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. Just being able to pair out those stuff so the mm-hmm. the game master can drop the fifty bucks on the big book, and all the players um, get like the twenty five dollar player guide. Like that's that's perfect. That gets more people buying the materials, but they don't have to like throw in on stuff that they're not going to use. Yeah, I think also nowadays, um, like, so a lot of games have had the tradition that there should be like an adventure in the book. And we've talked about that a little bit before. And I think it's a good idea in the sense that you want to be able to just sit down and play and you want to be able to see what the game is supposed to be like. Uh, But I think nowadays in 2021, like that could be a download, like put some free adventures on your website. Sure. don't eat up like another 30 pages with that in the main book. Like use that for either some other material that's useful to run the game or just like make the book, you know, that 30 pages less of a beast to like lug around. Like um, a while ago I was reading um, or trying to read the rule book for the Game of Thrones role playing game, Song of Fire and Ice. Um, And it's like a massive beast of like, you know, 400 some pages. Not surprising. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm sure the game is great. I'm never going to find out because it was just such a beast. I had made the mistake of um, getting a digital version, so it was just, like, insurmountable to, like, chew through. Sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, parceling it out a little bit. Um, and maybe there's, like, printing costs. Like, it's more expensive to print, like, two separate books, I'm sure. But yeah. there has to be a way that's just a little more flexible, I think. Sure. Like, I, re- I remember when digital was becoming, like, a big thing and people were speculating, like, oh, what's things going to be like in the future and people were saying like oh i bet like you could go on like uh, a website and you could order from your company and you could just pick the parts of the book you wanted and they would like do like a custom book for you and send it to you and i don't think that ever happened but that would be really cool you know like okay i want the character creation and i want like the skill system but i really want all the other stuff like i just want those pieces and then like you know have that churned out like print on demand or something right right yeah i would from kind of what I've seen working out in the world, like I, I, I would think having to try to recalibrate printing machines, manufacturing stuff for like each different variation mm. of a book would be a bit too much. Yeah, I wonder. Like, it feels like it should should be possible with like print on demand stuff, though, right? Yeah. I mean, there may be a perfectly obvious reason it's not, but it's one of those things. It's like, oh, can we have like customer definable? You know. That's it's basically, basically like a, because they're already printing out the individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I understand that you can't have like every possible permutation like on the shelf. That's fine. Like that that would be madness, right? Uh, but if it's being done to order already, um, so I don't know. Maybe it is possible. Um, mm-hmm. One service I use a lot when I buy stuff in PDF, I realize I do want a print version, but I don't specifically want it's like a big book. Um, there's a couple of these online. Uh, there's one I use called Print Me One, uh, which is pretty good. It's stateside. You just upload a PDF. You can edit it a little bit. You can cut out pages, and you can even merge PDFs together. Nice. And then for like about like 170, 180 pages, I think it used ends up being like 18, 20 bucks with shipping in the U.S. And they'll do like a spiral bound and stuff. You can get a little cheaper if you pick a different uh, binding. Cool. Uh, but that's really handy for stuff that's just available in PDF, or if you just want, like, because you can kind of, like, do your custom book. You can just take the PDF, you can cut, like, half of it out. And, uh, 
So a lot of times I'll cut out like the credits pages and all that stuff that, you know, you don't need, <laughs> like, I don't need, I'm glad you're thanking like everyone in your family for helping you make this book, but sure. You know, I don't need that to, to reference in combat. <laughs> uh, so that's really handy. Um, now, so that ends up being kind of expensive, obviously, because you buy the PDF and then you pay to like get a print like that, but it's an option at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, if, if you're playing the game regularly, that, Seems mm -hmm. like a good idea to me. Yeah, and you get like a nice, I mean, it's like a binder, but it's like a fairly sturdy binder. Um, and right. it has, it. you can, they have different backings. I used to do it like spiral bound because that folds open real well. Cool. Um, so yeah, um, but there's also a lot of stuff now, you know, especially if you're into like indie stuff, a lot of things just exist in PDF or that's the primary option. Right. So, right. Um, and so I here's a question, and this is one of those like hot buttons issues um if the book is x number of dollars like 40 bucks uh -huh. what's a what do you feel is a fair price point for the pdf version if you're just buying it digital because people have like really strong opinions about that yeah dude i i i can see why i mm -hmm. i do not know like i'm not <laughs> I, I don't want to go there like yeah, because yeah. um, I, I could see the other side, like the the mm -hmm. developers, like layout costs money, getting the graphics. Yeah, um, all of those are made. Like the, yeah, those costs are the same whether you do a digital or a physical, right? Yeah, and that's you know. like where most of the the legwork is is going mm -hmm. in. So. But yeah, most of the cost is almost certainly art. Like, um, yeah. I don't think I'm supposed to say the number, but I know the cost of the artwork that went into Five Parsecs, and it was a good chunk. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it was well spent. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, I don't think a lot of people who haven't ever been involved, I think a lot of people who haven't ever been involved with uh, publishing underestimate the cost of art. Oh, I'm like, sure. Artists are well paid. And again, like, they deserve it. Um, but it's just that's the main expense and you're right like for a pdf version like that costs the same no matter like but at the same time it's also one of those things because it feels instinctively like it should be cheaper because you're not quote getting a real item right like that's right. just um but it's trick yeah it's like it's really tricky because there's good arguments for and against um mm. i do think a lot of companies nowadays uh will do the thing where if you buy the book you can either um, you either get the PDF for free, like I know Two Hour War Games does that. Uh, my new overlords in Modiphius does that. <laughs> um, and there's also companies where, like, like if the book is forty and the PDF is twenty five, then you can pay forty five and get the PDF extra. Like you just mm -hmm. pay a couple extra dollars, which I think is like super fair. Yeah. Um, like I don't expect to get it for free. I'm fine with throwing in a few extra bucks. And in that case, I may or may not get both. It just depends. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But that's a nice gesture. Um, I, I'm not usually super keen on paying like full price for both. I think in that case you're kind of double dipping a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. if I'm buying the same item, at least like give me a few bucks off. You know, like I understand the print book has like fixed costs and so on, but yeah, yeah. But usually it, then that uh, that's really variable depending on how many copies are being produced. So. Mm -hmm. You know, if I answer, so let's say, I, I, I don't know, I, I would probably drop like 20% off. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think. PDF price. Mm. Yeah, I think about there, then it feels like, okay, uh, 
And it's also like, then I feel like incentivized, like, okay, maybe I do want the PDF as well so I can read it mm -hmm. like on the iPad. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a way of like getting people, people in the door. Um, one thing that's really popular, especially with like indie RPG stuff, is uh, pay what you want for uh, PDFs. Where, um, and for those who aren't familiar, it's basically where um, you can enter in like whatever price you want. So you can download it for free, you can download it for five dollars, you can download it for like a hundred, you can put it whatever mm -hmm. you want. Uh, and usually, like on Wargame Boulder, like Drive Through RPG, uh, as the publisher, you can set a suggested price for whatever you think it should be, yeah. uh, and it'll display that, then people can put in whatever. Um, which is obviously like really popular with gamers because it's you know you yeah can get, a, <laughs> you can get a game for a dollar. Uh, so I will say because uh, it's one of those things that I think a lot of people are like very emotionally connected to because it's obviously a way of getting cheap stuff and everyone likes the idea that like it makes you feel like uh, like oh I'm gonna pay like an extra dollar because I'm a good good person you know. Um. But I think, like, I've used pay what you want for items in the past that I've sold, mm -hmm. usually for stuff that's either, like, a collection of random things where I think a lot of people might want to pick this up because it's for a bunch of different systems I've done. But mm -hmm. most people aren't going to be have a use for the whole thing. So, like, okay, let's try to make this pay what you want. People can, you know, throw in whatever they seem as fair. Or I've done it for, like, old items that are always selling anymore. Like, okay, let's make it pay what you want. It'll be kind of like a demo or things like that. Sure. Um, but I will say also, like, people, I think, attach less value to things they didn't really pay for, um, just mentally. Um, yeah. Like, a weird thing I've, and I've gotten questions about this before, because when I do, like, a beta test for a new war game I'm working on, I usually charge a dollar. Mm -hmm. uh, and people will ask about it, because it's not, like, the norm. Um, although I saw the other day that, like, the new Marvel RPG will have a beta test that's like a print book that you have to pay like $40 for or whatever it'll cost so I'm not the only one <laughs> mine is only like a dollar usually uh, <laughs> but it's really like two things the first is that um, I try to make the beta versions like enough of a game that it's worth a dollar like you could play some games with this and have fun and then if the game never happens because you know sometimes the idea just isn't like quite there right right then you know you didn't get just like some ideas on paper you got a game that's at least like functional you can sit and play that's worth a dollar to me mm -hmm. uh but the second and this is really the real reason is that when i've done um beta versions or play tests or stuff like that that was just free unless it's with people i know that are good play testers Mm -hmm. uh, the feedback is like really limited and it's usually not all that great um the feedback from the people who had to pay a dollar to play it is way better mm. and it's weird because a dollar is nothing like like i don't think you can get something from the mcdonald's menu anymore or maybe you can get a cup of coffee mm -hmm. of, like the really bad one right. <laughs> like a dollar is nothing but just the the fact that you had to like click yes and it showed your paypal account like that gets people like minded that it's worth a bit more i guess yeah yeah there's all sorts of so social psychology and, and like business studies that have been done on retail pricing and mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, it's as simple also as looking at humble bundles and seeing, mm -hmm. I mean, those good grief for me. That's like the root <laughs> of that stuff. And people, mm -hmm. you get like, uh, sometimes there are really good bundles and people still, you know, skim. It's like, yeah. 
like people actually put time and heart into this stuff and you're just like we whatever <laughs> five bucks sure yeah like oh i'm gonna for this like four hundred dollars of stuff i'm gonna pay like 4.99 yeah, totally. <laughs> you yeah. know and it does i think there, there's the possibility and i think um, in video games, that's happened a little bit, at least with indie games, because it was kind of like an indie game, like price rush to the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, where it kind of like undercuts, like um, once you kind of establish that, like oh, quote a game, which for a computer game could be like you know months and months of work, even right. for a kind of simple one. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you establish that that's not really worth like anything other than like you know pocket chains, I think that's like kind of corrosive um and this is going to sound like shilling because obviously i want the stuff i write to like sell for actual money that my landlord will accept <laughs> right. um but i think it's something that you know like it's not necessarily a path you want to like go down like structurally yeah yeah it's man that's just you know like i we that's the this weird thing with the modern internet, and that's kind of one of the things I like about like tabletop games kind of reach back a couple decades and, and get people mm-hmm. in the mindset where it's like I'm just dealing with um, objects like material mm-hmm. goods. Yeah, and, like something that you're actually have in front of you and you're like interacting with. Yeah, yeah, you know? everything's tangible, and you're it takes time, and you're putting in your own effort. And so um, hopefully, mm-hmm. and I'm sure this is the case, like mm-hmm. if people respect and understand more often your efforts in making this happen so, mm-hmm. that they, so they don't have to try to put together their own janky, work <laughs> out the stats for their yeah. own. Set. Like, no, I think that's definitely that. true. Um, I think that's a really good, interesting point, actually, too, because I think that's part of why, like, like you can find almost any person who plays role playing games, and um, you might not know what game they play or what campaigns they play, and their style may be completely different. But mm-hmm. if you ask them about their favorite dice, their eyes are gonna light up because it's something that's like because it's a tangible thing, right? It's something that you have that is yours. There's so many other different ones out there, and like you know, like I'm pretty used to using an like electronic dice roller because. For the groups I play online with, you have to, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, last year. Yeah, and especially like a lot of people have, you know, kind of taken to that so they can <laughs> uh, play games without dying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's not the same, right? Like it's functional, it's fine, but there's that feeling of like picking up the dice and like shit's on the line. And if you blow this roll, then you're going to be eaten by the. Uh, you know, the garbage ghoul or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just a different feeling or like going and pick, it's one of the things, whenever I go to a gaming store, um, if, it, you know, we find this new gaming store and we go there mm-hmm. uh, and we look around and maybe there's nothing you really want. And I will always leave with either like another set of dice or like a couple of paints if they have miniatures paints, like one of those two things. Nice. Um, just, but yeah, it's like, it's a tangible thing, but also, yeah, like sitting, looking through the book. I hate making characters, um, on a computer. I want to sit with the book and page through it. I want to look at the art and I want to look at, you know, like, it's just like the feeling of it. And I think you're right. Like tabletop gaming is like the last holdout of like analog kind of, uh, that kind of like analog entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's funny cause people always like, 
basically since uh, the 80s, like people have talked about if uh, role-playing games were going to be like killed off by computers, and kind of the opposite thing happened. Like RPGs are more like popular than they've ever been, basically. Right. And I think for a lot of people, it is. I mean, obviously, for a lot of people, it's just like they finally had the opportunity to try this hobby and like, oh, playing an elf is really fun. Right. Um, but I think it's also, like you say, it is something tangible. It is something that you're physically doing. And I think like the fact there are physical things to purchase, you know, like it's no coincidence that uh, stuff like, um, you know, Critical Role and those things all have merchandise because people want to have like, trinkets they want to have cool bits you know cool miniatures or whatever it is um so i don't think that's a coincidence at all yeah we attach our memories to things actual photographs and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. yeah or you know like you have that feeling like you look at a book and you remember like something that happened in that game oh yeah you know it has that feeling like um and that can be really powerful like i don't think that's um, which actually kind of leads into one topic I want to bring up, which is like collecting, right? Mm-hmm. And I know you're not much of a collector. Uh, I definitely am a little bit of a hoarder. <laughs> uh, and I kind of narrowed it down. Um, so last year, year before, two COVIDs ago, uh, I started just counting time in COVIDs because that seems easier. <laughs> um, I decided, because I have so many gaming books, and I realized there was a lot of them that I wasn't really like excited about anymore. And like looking at them on the on the shelf, this is going to sound stupid, uh, but it kind of made me feel like, I don't know, like not uncomfortable, but like it was kind of bothering me that all this stuff was sitting here that I kind of had just bought because, and I didn't really have any interest in. Mm-hmm. So I know like I gave some of it away. Most of it, I just like went to uh, emailed Noble Knight with a list and they gave me a price for it. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. And then they sent me a, a label and boxed it all up and sent it to them. Oh, cool. Um, it was very convenient. And they don't, so be, because their whole gig is they sell used games. Obviously, they're going right. to lowball you. So you could get more money for selling off a collection, like on your own or on eBay or something. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you was, in this case, I just want to, like, be rid of it. Like, just put it all in a box, send it off, and get whatever. So right. it was great. Um, and then I kind of made the decision that for games that I buy to go on my shelf, now for, for digital, I'll buy a lot of stuff just to read, you know, mm-hmm. like. Uh, but if it goes on the shelf, the rules are either A, it's something that I think I will want to run in the next couple of years. Two, it's something that the people I play with currently would be interested in. So I didn't kickstart the new like Twilight 2000 because the people I play with would probably rather die than play like a, a gritty post-apocalyptic military game. <laughs> so it looks really cool, but I'm not putting money in it because it ain't going to happen. I'm not buying it right. on the shelf. Uh, or three, <laughs> there's a few specific things that I do collect for. And I made my piece like, okay, these are games that I just kind of collect for. Like, I don't know if I will ever be in a position to run another Rollmaster game. But I picked <laughs> that off because it's a game I have so much, like, fond, like, thoughts about. So right. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to make my piece that I enjoy having the collection. I still enjoy, like, picking off those books and reading through them. So that's one of the ones I collect for, like, RuneQuest 3rd Edition. I'm happy collecting for that'll mm-hmm. I, I'll definitely run again. Um, so I kind of like narrowed it down that it's like three or four things that I will collect, and I'm fine mm-hmm. just buying for the shelf of those. But for anything else, it kind of has to have like a use case. It has to pass right. a little bit of like a, a usage test. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things, because, um, you know, like, I also have a fascination with, like, old-ass games, like weird old 80s clunk that I never got a chance to play, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, I mean, I like a lot of 80s shit. Like, I'm sitting next to my Amiga computer here, so. <laughs> Talking of hobbies that are fucking expensive. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> but... One of the things that's really happened, and this happens to a lot, um, I have a friend of mine who uh, is really into mini discs, you know, like the little um, music CD things that you can get. Yeah, yeah. They were really cool, uh, and you can still, like, they're not so old. Like, you can still get mini disc players that are in, like, good working condition. (laughs) And he just likes the format, the media. So he's been buying up a bunch of them. He'll, like, burn music to them and stuff. Um, Cool. But he's commented on that, like, the prices are starting to just, like, skyrocket on this stuff because, like, collectors are getting into it. Like, retro video games is really expensive, you know. Right. Try finding yourself a copy of, like, Final Fantasy Tactics, like, on CD, and you'll pay, like, the same $60 it cost when it came out in, like, 98. Right. Um, and a lot of RPG stuff is the same way, unless it's a game nobody wants. <laughs> um, but trying to get, like, a first edition, like, Vampire the Masquerade or, like, uh, even like old AD and D books, which there were millions of those printed. And yeah. That stuff is starting to like burn up in cost. But you got to get kind of lucky with it, and it makes it kind of like because you know, like a lot of that is just like people who are like um, either a they just want like a nostalgia hit and they're willing to just pay anything, right? Uh, or it's people who are like buying it so they can resell it. Uh, you know, just drive up the cost like five dollars at a time. Mm-hmm. Because they're just looking to cash in on it. Um, like, um, I had a s- set of the or- uh, the original Stormbringer uh, box set. And I think I got it for 20 bucks, like, when I lived in Portland. So I was like, Yeah, tw- yeah, I remember. Tw- seeing t- it. Yeah, yeah, like 10, 12 years ago. And I uh, sold it off for basically that price. And then when I, I was like, Oh, you know, like, that would be kind of cool. I would kind of like to have that again. And guess what? Now they're like 80 or 90 bucks. Mm you know, like, uh, I got a first edition Pendragon box recently, which I locked out because I was the only one who bid on the auction. Like, nobody noticed it. Uh, and those go for, like, again, like, 60 bucks if you're lucky and often more than that. Um, right. So, and that's the point where, like, it started really being kind of a question, right? You know, like, is it, how much are you willing to pay for something that's, like, a rare item? Especially if it's a rare item that's kind of just going on the shelf. Mm. Yeah, you know, uh, but that's just one of those things. Like collecting is like a whole different, um, you know. And then it matters, like which printing is it, which cover version, yada yada. You know, like if there are multiple covers of the book, do you want to like collect all of them? Or sure, <laughs> <laughs> like that's a whole a whole separate beast. Um, right, and then the quality, kind of the grading thing that they can do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, especially with old books, like a lot of them have like shitty bindings and. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so it's like, what condition is gonna be when you get it? Uh, maybe that's like a whole episode, of like eBaying for RPG stuff. <laughs> but on the flip side, sometimes you can, like on eBay, you can like get a bunch of stuff for like very little. I think a lot of times, like people kind of overlook that when they're talking about games, like because there's always people who are like selling off their stuff, you know, like they're joining the military, so they're selling off a bunch of stuff, or they're just, like rooting out like old collections and stuff. Mm, sure. Um, or people who have stuff and are willing to sell it to, like, other gamers. Like, um, I forget what book it was. It was a, I think it was a Warhammer 40k book. And I was, um, or it was some, uh, old Warhammer 40k miniatures. And old, 
miniatures tend to be expensive stuff because that's like collector's items too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this guy had a bunch, and I was asking if he wanted to sell them, and he was like, "Well, yeah, kinda." Um, but they go for a fair bit on eBay. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. Like, if you want to sell them eBay, go for it. Like, you can make, you know, three bucks per mini. Like, all I wanted them for was, like, uh, to play some of the original scenarios with a kid. Hmm. And he emails me. And I was fine with that. Like, you know, they were just some orcs. I could find some others. Uh, they didn't right. have to be the exact ones. And then the guy emails me later, and he's like, you know what? If it's going to, like, somebody who's going to play it instead of just scalping it, I'll sell them to you for, like, whatever. Like, really cheap. Cool. It was a really... It was a really cool gesture. You know, he didn't have to do that, and I still have them. They're, uh, they're packed up right now because, you know, we've been cleaning, but, you know, like, I've done that, too. Sold books off to people who are like, yeah, like, I really want to, like, play this. Like, I'll sell it to you for, you know, <laughs> close to what I paid for it originally, not for what the eBay price is. Right. Um, so, you know, like, I think there's people who are definitely, like, um, they want to see the stuff like get circulated, not just end up on a shelf or just gonna like sit, mm-hmm. sit and collect dust or like be a be an object like to brag about or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I do hold on to certain gaming books. I, I have my mm-hmm. Rifts books still because mm-hmm. it's like you said earlier. Some of it's just fun to thumb through every once in a while. Mm-hmm. As long as that has that value for me, then I'm stoked. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Um, The stuff I ended up getting rid of was stuff where it didn't have that feeling. Because a lot of the things I had bought kind of on a whim, you know. Um, So it was just kind of like sitting there and like taking up space. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a time to like kind of get rid of it and then get other stuff that was cooler. Yeah, yeah, like in use case, you know, things that you're actually going to play. Yeah, or, like, I'll just be excited about, you know? Um, it was, like, um, when I was sorting through all my old Warhammer RPG stuff, and I had a pretty big collection mm-hmm. of second edition books, and I ended up, like, selling them off to somebody, like, I worked with at the time, because I realized, like, every time I was taking a Warhammer book off the shelf, it was always just the original first edition. <laughs> I was like, so, you know, I was like, okay, I'll just keep that one and, um, you know, sell them off to, and this guy was going to, like, run a campaign with his wife, and they were hopefully going to have a really good time. So I was like, okay, like let's pass this on. Cool. So, um, so I guess like part of the collecting, I guess it's also the question of like, uh, you know, peripherals and paraphernalia in general. Mm-hmm. Like we talked a little bit about like just stuff like dice and, uh, you know, like some games obviously like expect miniatures and some don't, but you mm-hmm. can still kind of use it. We've done an episode a long time ago. Um, Maybe we should revisit that now that we have better sound. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, like how much, and I I know the answers of this for you, uh, but the question is for the audience. How much like extra stuff do you like kind of like bringing into it if you're you're into a game or if you're just kind of playing kind of casually? Yeah, I'm minimalist, man. I want like... Mm -hmm. Pad of paper, pencil, dice, and <laughs> it's my brain. You know, I'm working with my brain. Not even a printed uh, character sheet. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think for Rollmaster, I don't know if we ever had one because I don't know if there like was an official one. Um, it was all like <laughs> fan shit. Um, right. So yeah, um, it's interesting because I tend to be uh, most of that way. Like we played with managers a couple of times. I haven't done it in forever because plague. Um, but even then, it was almost more of a, like, let's just try it kind of thing. Right. 
you know, but it's one of those things, like, if I was really into, like, Pathfinder or something, where, like, precise movements are, like, a big deal, and a lot of your abilities, like, depend on it, then, yeah, like, if I was playing something like that, I think I would probably be inclined to, like, okay, I will want, like, good-looking miniatures, I'll, you know, have yeah. them painted, painted on, like, make a spectacle, like, um, like, kind of, this is gonna sound shitty, uh, but, like, cheap, shitty-looking, like, miniatures for something like that does kind of bug me. Like, <laughs> I think this is partially just coming from, like, war games. Uh, like, if sure. you put down a bunch of goblins and tell me they're lizard men, i just check out a little bit. <laughs> I was like, fuck you, they're not obviously lizard men. Like, well, right, I think that's part of the... I'm sure I would have, or I've had the same sort of problems, so I just don't mm -hmm. want to deal with them so much, because there's just yeah, too like, much stuff to try to cobble together to really yeah. make that work. Exactly. But it's one of those things, too. Like, if you just draw it on paper and write, like, L, like, a bunch of times for Lizardmen, it w won't bother me. Because they're obviously, you know. Um, but it's one of those things, like, if you're going to do that, for me at least, like, you should, like, put some effort into it, you know? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's unfair, because sometimes you, you know, like, that shit is expensive. You know, that's a whole separate hobby. Um, right. And... Uh, you also, like, <laughs> there's a middle ground between that and, like, you don't have to, like, build, like, an entire castle, you know, out of styrofoam every time you play a game. Um, <laughs> you can, and that would be really cool, but but it's just one of those things, like, I think being janky with that, like, bothers me more than just not doing it. Like, if you're just putting Coke, like, uh, bottle caps out, and that's the goblins, um, like, okay, cool, they're Coca-Cola goblins, so <laughs> let, let's do this. <laughs> uh, but once it starts being like halfway there, I, then it starts bugging me. And again, this may just be the wargamer thing because you know anyone who's played war games long enough has had the situation of like, is that Coca, is that kind of Coca Cola like your drink, or is that like a tiger tank? Like sure, bearing <laughs> it's kind down. Of important. Yeah, yeah, like and that becomes important in question, or right. like, oh, that unit that you were using there? Yeah, it turns out they weren't that at all. They were like, you know, elite paratroopers or something. <laughs> yeah, so. and you just can't tell. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> when I was in uh, high school, we had a player who was really bad about that because he would be kind of shitty about it. It just turned out that, like, his really powerful character was always, like, <laughs> you know, they were kind of, like, uh, had quantum powers. They would Sure. Once you asked him to, like, Hey, like, where exactly is which unit? Then he would like, okay, well, those guys are obviously like the correct unit to be in that position. <laughs> uh, oh, that's convenient. Right. So maybe it's just like uh, old like PTSD from that. But <laughs> I mean, right? Like, I I say I would rather play with just paper, but mm -hmm. a lot of the games I've played with people, you know, there are always mm -hmm. a couple of people who are like, oh, I want to have miniatures. Da, da, da. Mm -hmm. I'm like, fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's also like a different like um, mindset, right? Yeah. Um, I, I saw somebody who kind of um, had a good point the other day because he was saying um, when you play with the miniatures, a lot of times it feels like um, the game is kind of stopping and you're like starting like a Warhammer game on the side, <laughs> uh, and which is. Totally true, I think, a lot of times. But he was saying, like, his players really liked it because to them it made it feel like playing Final Fantasy or something. Like, you have the story, you have the story, which is, like, the real game, and then there's all these, like, battles that happen. It's like a mini game you play. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that, I never thought about that, but that kind of, like, I get it. Uh, right. I, I don't know if, like, I'm into that, uh, but I totally get it. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, visualize this stuff in different ways, and and I'm uh-huh. certainly fine with facilitating people who really work better with having like physical objects on a gridded out kind of map on a table. Yeah, I tend to not buy a lot of like extra stuff. I always have lots of miniatures and terrain just because I play miniatures games, mm-hmm. and that stuff can be you know press ganged into servers if you need. Uh, but I don't. <laughs> Other than that, I don't end up. I do one thing I do enjoy a lot now uh, is getting like maps. If there's a printed map of the game world, I absolutely want that because uh, I think that like adds a really cool. It's that like adventuring feelings, like the beginning of Lord of the Rings when you look at the map, right? Oh yeah, yeah, you know, and being able places. to uh, present that to other people is likely to get them more excited about that. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and it has that just, like, uh, childlike feeling of, like, looking at this and, like, oh, I wonder what this place is, you know? Totally. <laughs> uh, like, last time I ran RuneQuest, uh, I showed them the map and, of the area in Prax, and there's a place called The Block, and they thought that was so weird because how the map is just, like, a giant stone block mm-hmm. that they, like, we'll have to go there. We, we want to go see what that is. And that was all it took, you know? Cool. Um, so, yeah, maps are well worth uh, worth investing in. Um but other than that, yeah, you know, like dice, maybe some miniatures, uh, if that's a thing. Um, you know, like some people are really into getting like you know uh, different tchotchkes and stuff. Uh, I don't know if that's so much my thing, but you know. Well, is that like kind of setting the scene and like having that fourth wall kind of thing where you're trying to set the mood in the room itself for the game? Hmm. Four people, I guess. Yeah. Um, there was a, um, um, I forget what convention it was. It was many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the games, I didn't get to play in this, unfortunately, but one of them, uh, there was a published Call of Cthulhu scenario that took place in World War One, And the guy had, uh, there was a guy at convention who was running that, and he had gotten, like, an old German, like, steel helmet. I don't, it was probably, like, a reproduction. I'm sure it wasn't, like, real. Uh, but he had, like, put that on the table. Uh, and he had gotten, like, uh, camouflage netting and stuff and, like, hung it over, like, behind where he was going to be sitting. And there was a bunch of little stuff like that. It was so cool. Uh, and maybe that's, like, too much to do just for your home game. But, like, how awesome would that be? You know, you show up to the game and, you know, you're sitting in this, like, camouflage cave because you're going to play a military <laughs> game, right? Right. <laughs> like, that was that I will admit, I would be a little bit of a sucker for that. Like, even if the scenario was only okay, I think I would remember that, like, pretty vividly. Well, it, I think that's going to be different for different folks. So if this is, mm-hmm. like, a big campaign that you've been writing from your imagination for, like, over a year and you want to make it, like, the event of kind of the, the next couple of years that your friends oh, yeah. will be talking about, then... Yeah, do that. Like, yeah, that, for that. Oh, yeah. Or, like, pull out some sort of, like, uh, you know, like, um, uh, a friend of mine did this back in, like, college uh, in a D&D game. He had, uh, you know, we found some magic crystal that we had to, like, go destroy or I forget what we had to do with it. It was a MacGuffin. And he had gotten this, like, big crystal. I think, like, his mom had been, like, into, like, crystals when she was a hippie or something. She, sure. she had, like, a bunch of stuff lying around. He had just gotten his, like, it was just like a big like chunk of quartz or something, but it looked really cool. And it had nice. like, and he just like plonked it on the table. It was like, as long as you, until you guys destroy it, this is going to be like on the table every session. 
So it was really cool. I think it was cheesy, but it was, it really like gave you, it's again, like you said, it's just that thing of like, there's something there. Right. Know, like you can interact with, like, you know, the villains are fucking with you. You can pick up the crystal and like hold it in your hand. So <laughs> it, it, there is like a, it, maybe it's a little bit of like a childish aspect, but I'm fine uh, embracing that 100%. Yeah. This is escapism we're talking about. So, yes, mm. delving into some childishness is a plus. Like, please. Yeah, do. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like, embrace it. It is also, um, I don't watch a lot of horror movies because, for the most part, like, I have kind of like a hyperactive brain and I will automatically try to, like, quote, figure it out. It just kind of ruins the, oh. the mood. And it's not that I'm, like, especially great at figuring out movie plots. It's just like, uh, so I have to, like, sit down and like kind of make myself get um like immersed in it right um so like forcefully like suspend your disbelief and then it works and as a result it also means i can watch movies with, like really shitty effects and it doesn't bother me because <laughs> i can like persuade myself that i'm just going to be into it or right. like <laughs> uh so it's a little bit of that you know it's just like you know suspending your disbelief that this like shitty piece of like hippie crystal um that somebody's <laughs> mom got in like 73 is like, you know, the magical crystal of doom or something like it's yeah. you make yourself like get, let it take on that significance while you're playing your elf. Sure. Sure. So I think that's not such a bad skill at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I guess like to try to draw some uh, summaries, um, like gaming can vary is tremendously in cost. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess like to summarize a little bit, like, don't don't feel like ashamed or like bad that you're starting at like a really cheap point like those cheap points exist for a reason and until you know if it's something you're like interested in invested in um especially like um i see this sometimes when somebody's like brand new to games like maybe they heard about dungeons and dragons like years ago uh, but they never had a chance of like at the time it seemed it was just for kids and then like they hear about it and they watch like stranger things and, like oh that looks like it would actually be fun and then they find out like you know one of the co-workers plays like oh can i join sure. and i always feel bad when people like that run out and blow like a hundred dollars and buying stuff like books and stuff because like like you might love it you might like find a new hobby or you might find it oh that was fun but i don't really want to do it again mm-hmm. but i want to you know like have you burn a hundred dollars it would be like uh if you invite somebody over to like play Call of Duty and like ask them to bring their own copy of the game, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, totally. like, so if you're literally like the chance of somebody who has never played games before listening to this podcast is probably remote, but on the off <laughs> chance, like, you know, like check it out first. Like, mm-hmm. most groups will at least let you get like in a game or two. Uh, play for a session or two to see if it's something you're into then you know i think it's fair to say like after a few sessions if it's a book heavy game like go get the book mm-hmm. you know like most of the time especially if you're a little lucky on ebay or something like that you can find a if it's a reason game you can find a copy of the book for you know the price of like a large pizza and like a two liter right so if you're a little lucky, or you know, even if you want to buy, like, have a nice new book that nobody has like drawn penises in yet, um, <laughs> right? You know, like compared to any other hobby. Well, yeah, it's comparatively cheap to a lot of adult hobbies, musical mm-hmm. instruments, computers. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, like vehicles. Um, yeah, if you're fixing up like your old cool motorcycle. That's just expensive. Uh, yeah. People who do music, like you can speak to that. Like music equipment is really expensive, even for like kind of mid mid range. Yep. 
thousands you know. of dollars. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, retro computing is really expensive. That's probably like $800 or more in the computer I'm looking at right now. <laughs> uh, Act is easily more than that <laughs> over the time. So yeah, like for, or just like a night out on the bar. Like when I, yeah. when I was younger, I could drink a lot. Like that's easily like a couple hundred if you're not careful. Right. Like, so yeah, like all things considered, like, and again, there are ways, um, you know, there are SRDs, there are demo versions. You can borrow a book, you can find a used book. Like there's a, there's ways to get along, um, without having to like pirate stuff. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good point to, to hit on. Definitely. Like, yeah. yeah, Like be an adult. If you're old enough to play the game and pretend to be an elf, (laughs) uh you're old enough to also pay some asshole for like for their work Uh, and again like with so many ways Uh, and i understand like if you're looking to play a very specific game then sometimes the cost can be more but if like if you and your buddies have been thinking like man like we play a lot of world of warcraft but what if like we played on the tabletop and it was awesome Mm-hmm. And, like, if that's your standpoint, you just want to play something, like, you can go find some old D&D books on eBay for, like, a few bucks. Or there are games out there that are legitimately just free. You can download mm-hmm. them and play, some of which are quite excellent. You well, know. I'd say, like, kind of what we're hitting at with the, the other types of hobbies, like, don't, I think it it's, can, could be kind of easy, or even experienced folks who look mm-hmm. at a game and think it's cool just to, throw a bunch of cash at like getting all the books you think you need like mm-hmm. you don't know yet so i i always say take take it at a, a step at a time yeah like grab the main book there's usually one that's either the main rule book or like a player's player's yeah. guide kind of thing and to right. start there you don't need all the other stuff even to start running the game Mm-hmm. Um, like I buy a fair amount of core rule books i don't buy very many supplements unless it's a game i'm collecting for mm-hmm. um because a lot of times you, yeah, you don't really need them. You know, like I've talked a lot on the podcast about Pendragon, and while I love the campaign book for it, you don't need it. You could play for years just with what's in that book and just like a general knowledge of like Earth 3 and stuff. And a lot of games are like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we played the Werewolf the Apocalypse for years when I was in high school and just with a rule book. All things considered, it's a stupid cheap hobby like <laughs> if you get a copy of uh i don't know what the last book i bought i think whatever it was it was in 30 dollar rate oh, it was 40 dollars, but that was with shipping mm-hmm. uh and that book had enough that i could probably comfortably run games for like every week for a year and still like have a good time mm-hmm. how many like how many other hobbies can you like spend 40 dollars and you're good for like a year right you know like that's nothing like um <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you can do that with, like, a copy of, like, Breath of the Wild, but you also have to pay $300 to get a Nintendo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yep. So, like, nothing else is going to be that cheap. Like, you're going to watch the same movie, like, over and over again. Like, just, <laughs> <laughs> like every Friday night for a year, it's just, like, watching Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> like, one, it, it, don't do that. And two, if you have, like, stop listening to our podcast, please. <laughs> I hope everyone stays safe and have a uh, pleasant beginning of the summer as the kids are getting out of school and uh, life is sort of returning to normal. We will talk talk to you soon. Bye.